You're listening to another episode of the Zag Ericasobe here. Excited to have another entry in our 2019 Fellows episode pack. Matt Wagner is here today. Pretty interesting background, pretty unique for one of our fellows. So excited to chat with him. Let's get to it. Yeah, Matt, how'd you hear about NLC in the first place? Hey, uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, really cool to be a part of it. Glad to be in the class this year. Um, I heard about NLC through uh, some folks I've been volunteering with down here in San Diego uh, for years and years. Um, I finally uh, left government service, which we'll get to, I guess, in a few minutes here um, this summer. And they said, oh, hey, well, now that you're you know, not running around the country or the world uh, all the time, this is a group you should really be a part of. Um, and so they referred me to it. And there's no chapter down here in San Diego. So um, LA is our adopted home for NLC purposes. I like it. Yeah, like I mentioned, a unique background. So federal law enforcement and diplomacy make up a lot of your professional experience. Explain to folks what that means exactly. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a weird background, um, but it's one I'm pretty proud of. So um, for better part of a decade, um, seven plus years, um, ending earlier this year, I was a special agent with the Diplomatic Security Service. Um, it's a small federal law enforcement agency. A lot of folks um, hadn't heard of yet. Um, so we basically were kind of like what the Secret Service does um, with protecting heads of government and investigating financial crime. We protect uh, mostly diplomatic officials, both U.S. and foreign, when they're visiting the U.S. Um, and we investigate identity crime, um, passport and visa fraud, international uh, drug trafficking, counterterrorism stuff. And I had the opportunity opportunity to do that um, until this past summer. So I first served um, in New York City, uh, and then I was the assistant chief of security at the U.S. Embassy in Algeria, did a little bit of time in Kuwait, uh, and then ran the State Department's investigations program in France, um, unfortunately covering also the Paris terrorist attack that happened in 2015 and the COP21 climate conference, which was um, a big order, but very cool to be a part of, and then ended up on a counterterrorism task force here in California um, before I um, said farewell to the government and came to my current job uh, at a nonprofit. And did you feel like your progressive values were shaped based on all those experiences, or did you have those going in? What what kind of led you to end up where you are in terms of being a progressive? Some of each, some of each. Um, I have been involved uh, in progressive politics uh, since I was in high school. I was the president of our Young Democrats Club at Torrey Pines High School down here in San Diego. Um, but I always knew that like national service was something I really wanted to do. Um, so I picked up some languages, um, studied French, and then got proficiency in Arabic in college. And I knew that I wanted to um, contribute somewhere in the counterterrorism um, domain. So um, for me, the progressive values were a big part of it. I think that um, law enforcement is a very dignified and noble profession that sometimes gets a rap um, for um, being monolithic or being uniform uh, in their beliefs and in their views, which is not true. Um, but I think they could have done uh, in my lifetime a much better job of sort of letting people know about the diversity of opinions and experiences and backgrounds there. Uh, and that was a big part of, of what I wanted to do and what I feel like I had the opportunity to do. Uh, and then specifically, the issue that has always kind of hit hard for me, uh, and that even more so now, has been gun safety. Um, I'm a big supporter of, of progressive policy on, on gun regulation. Um, and I think it's crazy to me that people like me uh, who are in law enforcement, in order to carry a gun around in public, 
you were required to have significant amount of training, a very thorough background check, um, in addition to requalifying regularly. And yet, in a lot of places around the country, even in California, um, untrained folks um, can walk around in public with a weapon with very little in the way of training and a, only a very cursory background check. Uh, and that's um, something I'm continuing to get more involved in uh, now that I'm no longer in law enforcement. And then with the most recent election, what were some of the most encouraging signs for you in terms of gun regulation and gun safety finally taking hold politically? First of all, um, I mean, there were a lot of great election victories for gun sense candidates around the country, um, including here in California. But I think the most remarkable thing on that issue for me in this in this 2018 midterm was just the extraordinary um, activism of groups like Moms Demand, uh, Action for Gun Safety, um, groups like Every Town. Um, the fact that those folks who have always been around, who have always advocated for reasonable, common sense gun safety policy, are now fully out in the daylight. That the that candidates can run now, knowing as they should have known all along, um, that the people are with them, that groups like the NRA don't have this kind of spooky, mysterious power that they've tried to get people to believe that they have. Um, that's really cool to have seen. I'm, I'm a big fan of Moms Demand and of Every Town, um, of the Brady campaign, and um, seeing them fully come into their own this past cycle as the result of many, many, many years of hard work uh, is really touching. Yeah. And then last thing, what are you looking forward to with the fellowship itself? What kind of people are you looking forward to meet? What kind of skills are you looking forward to getting trained on? A lot, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty excited um, specifically to kind of see these issues um, from a broader regional perspective coming from San Diego. When I know most of the class comes from LA County um, itself uh, is kind of cool for me to see how these issues hit home differently. Um, you know, one of the issues that you asked us about, uh, with the article in our interview this year was on housing and housing discrimination and gentrification. Um, and we have those issues in a major way in San Diego. It looks different than it looks in LA. Um, but I think it can only help, um, to see different perspectives, um, and different lenses on issues like that. That's number one that I'm most excited to see. And number two is just, it's very cool. Um, having been limited in my ability to be, for lack of a better term, political, um, when I was a federal employee, it is really cool, um, to be immersed in this organization that encourages people to go out and be active. And I think it's a civic duty that Americans share, and I'm happy to be around people who share that value. Nice. Well, listen, congrats on uh, the invitation. We're excited to have you and excited to have you broaden our reach a little bit just out of, of LA and LA County. But now that especially uh, the Southern half of California is getting more and more progressive, it seems we're, we're glad to have some folks with the beachhead down in San Diego. So look forward to seeing you in January. We look forward to everyone else listening to all the episodes of the Zag featuring our 2019 fellows. You can find those in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Make sure to check them all out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.